Miss Morrison's account of the first visit to the Petit Trianon by C. A. E. Moberly and Ellen F. Jordan from An Adventure. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Piotr Nater. August 1901. After some days of sightseeing in Paris, to which we were almost strangers, on an August afternoon, 1901, Miss Lamont and I went to Versailles. We had very hazy ideas as to where it was, or what there was to be seen. Both of us thought it might prove to be a dull expedition. We went by train, and walked through the rooms and galleries of the palace with interest, though we constantly regretted our inability through ignorance to feel properly the charm of the place. My knowledge of French history was limited to the very little I had learned in the schoolroom, historical novels, and the first volume of Justin McCarthy's French Revolution. Over thirty years before, my brother had written a prize poem on Marie Antoinette, for whom at the time I had felt much enthusiasm. But the German occupation was chiefly in our minds, and Miss Lamont and I thought and spoke of it several times. We sat down in the side a glass where a very sweet air was blowing in at the open windows over the flower beds below, and finding that there was time to spare, I suggested our going to the Petit Trianon. My sole knowledge of it was from a magazine article read as a girl, from which I received a general impression that it was a farmhouse where the queen had amused herself. Looking in Bedecker's map, we saw the sort of direction, and that there were two Trianons, and set off. By not asking the way, we went an unnecessarily long way round, by the great flights of steps from the fountains and down the central avenue as far as the head of the long pond. The weather had been very hot all the week, but on this day the sky was a little overcast, and the sun shaded. There was a lively wind blowing, the woods were looking their best, and we both felt particularly vigorous. It was a most enjoyable walk. After reaching the beginning of the long water, we struck away to the right down a woodland glade until we came obliquely to the other water close to the building, which we rightly concluded to be the great Trianon. We passed it on our left hand, and came up a broad green drive perfectly deserted. If we had followed it, we should have come immediately to the Petit Trianon, but not knowing its position, we crossed the drive and went up a lane in front of us. I was surprised that Miss Lamont did not ask the way from a woman who was shaking a white cloth out of the window of a building at the corner of the lane, but followed, supposing that she knew where she was going to. Talking about England and mutual acquaintances there, we went up the lane and then made a sharp turn to the right past some buildings. We looked in at an open doorway and saw the end of a carved staircase, but as no one was about, we did not like to go in. There were three paths in front of us, and as we saw two men a little ahead on the centre one, we followed it, and asked them the way. Afterwards we spoke of them as gardeners, because we remembered a wheelbarrow of some kind close by, and the look of a pointed spade. But they were really very dignified officials, dressed in long greyish-green coats with small three-cornered hats. They directed us straight on. We walked briskly forward, talking as before, but from the moment we left the lane, an extraordinary depression had come over me, which, in spite of every effort to shake off, steadily deepened. 
there seemed to be absolutely no reason for it. I was not at all tired, and was becoming more interested in my surroundings. I was anxious that my companion should not discover the sudden gloom upon my spirits, which became quite overpowering on reaching the point where the path ended, being crossed by another, right and left. In front of us was a wood, within which, and overshadowed by trees, was a light garden kiosk, circular and like a small bandstand, by which a man was sitting. There was no green sward, but the ground was covered with rough grass and dead leaves, as in a wood. The place was so shut in that we could not see beyond it. Everything suddenly looked unnatural, therefore unpleasant. Even the trees behind the building seemed to have become flat and lifeless, like a wood worked in tapestry. There were no effects of light and shade, and no wind stirred the trees. It was all intensely still. The man sitting close to the kiosk, who had on a cloak and a large shady hat, turned his head and looked at us. That was the culmination of my peculiar sensations, and I felt a moment of genuine alarm. The man's face was most repulsive, its expression odious, his complexion was very dark and rough. I said to Mr. Lamont, which is our way? But thought, nothing will induce me to go to the left. It was a great relief at that moment to hear someone running up to us in breathless haste. Connecting the sound with the gardener's, I turned and ascertained that there was no one on the paths, either to the side or behind. But at almost the same moment I suddenly perceived another man quite close to us, behind and rather to the left hand, who had apparently just come either over or through the rock, or whatever it was, that shut out the view at the junction of the paths. The suddenness of his appearance was something of a shock. The second man was distinctly a gentleman. He was tall, with large dark eyes, and had crisp curling black hair under the same large sombrero head. He was handsome, and the effect of the hair was to make him look like an old picture. His face was glowing red, as through great exertion, as though he had come a long way. At first I thought he was sunburned, but a second look satisfied me that the color was from heat, not sunburning. He had on a dark cloak, wrapped across him like a scarf, one end flying out in his prodigious hurry. He looked greatly excited as he called out to us, Madame, Madame, il ne faut pas passer par là. He then waved his arm and said with great animation, Par ici, cherchez l'Amazon. I was so surprised at his eagerness that I looked up at him again, and to this he responded with a little backward movement and a most peculiar smile. Though I could not follow all he said, it was clear that he was determined that we should go to the right and not to the left. As this fell in with my own wish, I went instantly towards a little bridge on the right, and turning my head to join Miss Lamont in thanking him, found, to my surprise, that he was not there, and the running began again, and from the sound of it it was close beside us. Silently we passed over the small rustic bridge which crossed a tiny ravine. So close to us, when on the bridge that we could have touched it with our right hands, a thread-like cascade fell from a height down a green pretty bank, where ferns grew between stones. Where the little trickle of water went to, I did not see, but it gave me the impression that we were near other water, though I saw none. Beyond the little bridge our pathway led under trees. It skirted a narrow meadow of long grass, bounded on the further side by trees, and very much overshadowed by trees growing in it. 
this gave the whole place a sombre look suggestive of dampness and shut out the view of the house until we were close to it the house was a square solidly built small country house quite different from what i expected the long windows looking north into the english garden where we were were shuttered there was a terrace round the north and west sides of the house and on the rough grass which grew quite up to the terrace and with her back to it a lady was sitting holding out a paper as though to look at it at arm's length i supposed her to be sketching and to have brought her own camp-stool it seemed as though she must be making a study of trees for they grew close in front of her and there seemed to be nothing else to sketch she saw us and when we passed close by on her left hand she turned and looked full at us it was not a young face and though rather pretty it did not attract me she had on a shady white hat perched on a good deal of fair hair that fluffed round her forehead her light summer dress was arranged on her shoulders in handkerchief fashion and there was a little line of either green or gold near the edge of the handkerchief which showed me that it was over not tucked into her bodice which was cut low her dress was long-waisted with a good deal of fullness in the skirt which seemed to be short i thought she was a tourist but that her dress was old-fashioned and rather unusual though people were wearing feature bodices that summer i looked straight at her but some indescribable feeling made me turn away annoyed at her being there we went up the steps on to the terrace my impression being that they led up direct from the english garden but i was beginning to feel as though we were walking in a dream the stillness and oppressiveness were so unnatural again i saw the lady this time from behind and noticed that her feature was pale green it was rather a relief to me that miss lamont did not propose to ask her whether we could enter the house from that side we crossed the terrace to the southwest corner and looked over into the corps de nord and then turned back and seeing that one of the long windows overlooking the french garden was unshuttered we were going towards it when we were interrupted the terrace was prolonged at right angles in front of what seemed to be a second house the door of it suddenly opened and a young man stepped out on to the terrace banging the door behind him he had the jaunty manner of a footman but no livery and called to us saying that the way into the house was by the cordonneur and offered to show us the way round he looked inquisitively amused as he walked by us down the french garden till we came to an entrance into the front drive we came out sufficiently near the first lane we had been in to make me wonder why the garden officials had not directed us back instead of telling us to go forward when we were in the front entrance hall we were kept waiting for the arrival of a merry french wedding party they walked arm in arm in a long procession round the rooms and we were at the back too far off from the guide to hear much of his story we were very much interested and felt quite lively again coming out of the cordonneur we took a little carriage which was standing there and drove back to the hotel de reservoir in versailles where we had tea but we are neither of us inclined to talk and did not mention any of the events of the afternoon after tea we walked back to the station looking on the way for the tennis court on the way back to paris the setting sun at last burst out from under the clouds bathing the distant versailles woods in glowing light valerien standing out in front of us of deep purple again and again the thought returned 
was marie antoinette really much at trianon and did she see it for the last time long before the fatal drive to paris accompanied by the mob for a whole week we never alluded to that afternoon nor did i think about it until i began writing a descriptive letter of our expeditions of the week before as the scenes came back one by one the same sensation of dreamy unnatural oppression came over me so strongly that i stopped writing and said to miss lamont do you think that the petit trianon is haunted her answer was prompt yes i do i asked her where she felt it and she said in the garden where we met the two men but not only there she then described her feeling of depression and anxiety which began at the same point as it did with me and how she tried not to let me know it talking it over we fully realized for the first time the theatrical appearance of the man who spoke to us the inappropriateness of the wrapped cloak on a warm summer afternoon the unaccountableness of his coming and going the excited running which seemed to begin and end close to us and yet always out of sight and the extreme earnestness with which he desired us to go one way and not another i said that the thought had crossed my mind that the two men were going to fight a duel and that they were waiting until we were gone miss lamont owned to having disliked the thought of passing the man of the kiosk we did not speak again of the incident during my stay in paris though we visited the conciergerie prisons and the tombs of louis the sixteenth and marie antoinette at saint denis where all was clear and fresh and natural three months later miss lamont came to stay with me and on sunday november the tenth nineteen o one we returned to the subject and i said if we had known that a lady was sitting so near us sketching it would have made all the difference for we should have asked the way she replied that she had seen no lady i reminded her of the person sitting under the terrace but miss lamont declared that there was no one there i exclaimed that it was impossible that she should not have seen the individual for we were walking side by side and went straight up to her passed her and looked down upon her from the terrace it was inconceivable to us both that she should not have seen the lady but the fact was clear that miss lamont had not done so though we had both been rather on the lookout for someone who would reassure us as to whether we were trespassing or not finding that we had a new element of mystery and doubting how far we had seen any of the same things we resolved to write down independent accounts of our expedition to trianon read up its history and make every inquiry about the place miss lamont returned to her school the same evening and two days later i received from her a very interesting letter giving the result of her first inquiries e m End of Miss Morrison's account of the first visit to the Petit Trianon.